Welcome again to this evening. I appreciate each one of you being there, being here. God bless you. Damien, I appreciated your singing, leading the songs this evening, and just drawing our hearts into worship and adoration of Jesus. And I appreciate the song, There is a Redeemer. And even though we did sing it earlier this week, I greatly appreciate that because this evening we want to focus on salvation. We want to focus on Jesus as our Redeemer and the work that He has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Several times in, in recent years, or just uh, recently throughout different opportunities, different events, different occasions, I've had the opportunity to share my personal testimony of what Jesus has, has done for me in salvation. So I would like to share with you this evening my personal testimony of how I came to be a Christian. And I, I, as I share this, it's not to, at all to glorify my journey, my testimony, because it probably will resonate with many of you, of your personal testimony as well. But my goal and my, my thought in sharing my personal testimony is to give you, give us the, oper- the, the courage, the thought of we do have a testimony to share. If we've named the name of Christ, we do have a testimony to share, and it's a wonderful thing to share with others. When I was roughly 9 or 10, something in that age bracket, I don't remember the exact age that I was, my, my father was heavily involved with Gospel Express and the prison crusades and the crusades that Gospel Express would do locally. And one weekend we traveled with the same family that last evening we talked about, about the boys that destroyed my bike. That same family, we did a lot together. We traveled to the cabin one weekend close to where Gospel Express was having a, a weekend or a week of crusades. And we were there for the weekend. I remember getting there to the cabin and we were making plans of what we are going to do for the weekend. We were, uh, we were going to have wars and battles and things. We were making spears and swords, and I don't know why this is what we had planned for the weekend, but this is what we planned for the weekend. We were getting all prepped up for a great weekend. It was Friday evening, and we went to the crusade that evening. And I remember Nelson Koblenz was preaching, and he preached a salvation message, and I felt God stirring in my heart that I need salvation. I need to receive Jesus into my heart. I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. And so I remember responding, it was, it was uh, an outdoor chapel, and it was a very beautiful location outdoors, and it was kind of a, a dirt trail that led up to the altar. I remember going up there, kneeling at the altar, my dad coming and praying with me, and accepting Jesus into my heart. I just remember that evening, there's just certain snapshots in my mind that are just kind of stuck in my mind. One of them is kneeling at the altar, my dad beside me, praying, my, praying with me, and just that freedom of, as I got up from there and knowing that Jesus had done a work in my heart. And I remember also, as we went back to the cabin, somehow, even though I, you know, I was young, I didn't fully understand salvation, somehow I knew that salvation and playing war with swords and spears don't go together. So that night when we got back to the cabin, I destroyed all the swords and spears that I spent the afternoon making and got rid of them because this, I'm a Christian now and things are going to be different. When I was 13, we moved to Grenada as missionaries under Olive Branch Mennonite Mission. And before we, were tra- before we were going to Grenada, my dad and I were talking about baptism, about being baptized. And um, he said, you know, I think he might have had some ulterior motives here, but he said, you know, if you wait till we get to Grenada, he said, I will have the opportunity to baptize you as the pastor there at Limes Mennonite Church. And I thought, that sounds good. 
So I waited till we got to Grenada. I was 13 years old, went through instruction class there in Grenada with my dad leading out. And another special memory I have in my salvation journey is my father baptizing me in the Atlantic Ocean down in Grenada, Lansapines Beach. And just a very special memory I have of my salvation experience, of my journey. But, you know, I was, I was growing. My heart's desire was to walk with God, was to, to, to draw closer to God. And throughout my teen years, 13, 14, 15, you know, I struggled with that. It was difficult. I wanted to walk close to God. I wanted to follow God. I wanted to, to draw near to God and have that vibrant relationship with God. But it didn't come easy. And I, I wrestled, and I, there was different things that happened in my life that were sin, that were wrong, and I chose to cover it up instead of, for, instead of repenting and turning from it. And there was different things that just kept kind of compounding and more and more. And God, God was trying to get a hold of me and saying, you know, you're not fully surrendered. You're not really fully sold out to me. There's areas of your heart that you are keeping back. And when I was, when I was 16 years old, in 1996, um, I had the opportunity of attending Youth Bible School at Charity Christian Fellowship there in Leola. Uh, my brother and I, and I don't, think, I don't know if my sister was along that year or not, but anyway, we attended Charity Christian Fellowship, and God prior to that had been, had been stirring in my heart. And he was, he, was, he was trying to help me realize that there was things in my heart that were not right. There was areas in my heart that I was keeping from God, that I was holding back from God. And throughout the week there at Charity Christian Bible School, we were under the teaching every day and every evening and throughout the week, and God was continuing to stirring my heart, just working my heart, and I was holding out until Thursday evening of that week. I knew that something needed to change. I knew that there was things buried in my heart that God wanted me to, to confess, that God wanted me to turn from, that God wanted to deliver me from. And I can so clearly picture that Thursday evening experience of where I was sitting in the church there at Charity Christian Fellowship in Leola, where I was sitting, I can just vividly remember as the, as, as the brother spoke, as he shared the message that evening, and the message was of our heart is like a house, and there's rooms within our heart. And it just resonated with me very clearly because there was rooms in my heart that I was keeping back from God. And the point of his message was we need to surrender everything to God. I remember responding that evening to the invitation and praying with the brother and just emptying my heart out before God. That's, that's the, the journey that I have begun in my Christian walk. And, you know, it's, it's a growing journey ever since. There's been victories, there's been struggles, there's been failures, there's been times of rejoicing, there's been times of drawing closer to God where God has felt closer. There's been times where I've wondered, why is this happening? Why am I struggling like this? That's my Christian walk. That's how I began my Christian walk. That's my testimony that I have. So I would encourage you, as, as you heard my testimony, I would encourage you when you have the opportunity to share your testimony with somebody. When you're sitting with a group of friends some evening, beautiful fall evening around the fire or something like that, take the opportunity. Say, hey, I want to share my testimony with you, my journey with Christ, and I would love to hear yours as well. It's an opportunity to strengthen and to deepen your faith and to reflect back on what God has done for you. Many times we're attracted to those testimonies that the person was, talks about how they were steeped in the depths of sin, how they were addicted and how they, 
have done all these horrible things, and then they met Jesus, and they turned around. And it's just a, it's this glamorous, glowing testimony. And we shrink back from that. We say, well, I, I grew up in a Mennonite home. I, my testimony is boring. It's nothing great to say that I prayed with mom and dad after church one Sunday evening or came home from Arrows or Ruby's camp, and I prayed. That, that's so boring. But it's not. It's where you began your walk with Jesus. And it's a testimony of Jesus doing a work in your heart. And as we talk about salvation here this evening, as we, as we go through different passages in Romans and we look at the Roman road of salvation, we're going to notice that there is no difference in the testimony of one that has been steeped in the depths of sin and one that has grew up in a good home and been spared from that. All need salvation. Therefore, you have a good testimony. No matter what it is, you have a testimony to share, and that is a valuable tool in proclaiming the gospel to others. So I encourage you, don't be ashamed of it. Don't lay it aside. Don't say it's so boring. It's, it's nothing. It is because it acknowledges that at one point, at some time in your life, Jesus touched your heart, and you have a desire to walk with Him. My goal this evening as we share a message on salvation, my goal is twofold. One is to provide an opportunity that if you not, have not made that choice of salvation, provide an opportunity for that. My other goal as we go along with that is to provide again the tools and the reminder of how to talk about salvation. What to share with somebody when you have that opportunity of sharing the salvation message. You know, where do I go? Where do I start? Is to once again just review that in our minds and to think about some very common verses and in the sharing of salvation with somebody. Share your testimony. Share some verses as we'll look at, look at this evening in the plan of salvation. Join me in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, a very familiar verse, and I think all the verses that we read here this evening, you might be able to quote from memory, but we just want to really dwell upon them and think about the power and the weight of these verses this evening, and also the deliverance that they bring to us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A short verse, a very familiar verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Remember I said that all of us share the need of salvation. It doesn't matter where you began in life. It doesn't matter where you found yourself in life, whether you were a convicted murderer in prison that has done all kinds of horrible things, or if you've been in a good Christian home, attended a Christian school, spared from all those horrible sins, all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. There is no difference between the one that is in the depths of sin, that has done horrible things, those things that we label as gross sins, or if you've grown up in a good godly home. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is a reality that going back to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve fell, when they chose to disobey God, the human race now is all born with a sin nature. By default, our default setting, our default setting as people is sinners. We're born lost. That is the same for everyone. Nobody is different in that regard. 
everybody, no matter where you're born, no matter what country, to what parents, no matter what nation, no matter what area, no matter what hospital you're born in, we all share the same problem. We are born sinners. All of us. We're born sinners. And we have a need of salvation. That simple, small little word, all, A-L-L, gives no wiggle room whatsoever. It doesn't say most have sinned. It doesn't say the majority of the, of the people on earth are going to sin. It doesn't say this certain group or that certain group, where there's maybe it's not me. That's not the case. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't need to do a bunch of bad things to deserve salvation. We simply are born as sinners. We're born with a sin nature. Some people then choose to do all kinds of other wrong things. Some people are spared that depths of sin, but yet we have all sin. I think if we were to be very honest here, if we were to open it up and just start talking about our experiences growing up, I think it's safe to say that probably all of us at one point in time have told a lie. I have. I've told a lie. That makes me a liar. Now I have, I'm a sinner. Probably all at some point in time, somebody, all of us, or some experience, we might have stolen something. Maybe it was just our eraser off our neighbor's, or the eraser off our neighbor's desk at school. Or maybe it was that pack of gum in the store. We might have stolen something. All of us have sinned. All of us are born sinners. And by default, we are born sinners in need of salvation. And this is why I say we shouldn't be ashamed of our testimony. Because it doesn't matter what has taken place, we all need to come to the point of knowing that I am a sinner, I am falling short of the glory of God, and I need salvation. That's where we all need to find ourselves. All are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Let's go on to the next passage, in, next verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We start out in Romans 3.23, a very familiar verse. Go on to Romans 6.23. Another very familiar verse, very powerful verse. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. We are all born sinners. By default, we are all owed the death penalty. The wages of sin is death. God is pure. God is just. God is holy. God is the creator. He's sovereign, as we talked about the other, other evening. He's sovereign. He is the creator of all things. Therefore, he gets to set the rules. And this is something that we wrestle with. Well, I shouldn't say we wrestle with. This is something that the world in general wrestles with. The idea of a sovereign God who has authority over my life. And whether or not they acknowledge it, whether or not we acknowledge it, it is a fact that God gets to set the rules because He is God. And He has created the earth. And God is just. God is holy. God is pure. And God cannot and will not tolerate sin. Therefore, the wages of sin is death. The wages, what are owed to us because of our sin, is death. God's purity, God's holiness, His justness won't allow any sin with Him in, in heaven. We are here on earth for a short period of time, and then we face eternity. 
There's two choices. There's two paths in eternity. There's the destination of hell and the destination of heaven. And God will not allow any sin into his heaven. He is pure. He is just. He is holy. The wages of sin is death, but, so grateful for that little word, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to notice the opposites in this verse. Wages versus gift. Sin versus God. I shouldn't say versus, just the opposite. Death is the opposite of eternal life. Total opposites. Wages are things that are owed to us. Wages are things that, that are due to us. You go to work, you punch in, you do your job, and now the boss pays you your wages. They're owed to you. A gift is not owed to you. A gift is something that is extended to you on the free will, the good graces of somebody else. You don't, you're not owed a gift, although sometimes we like to think we are. Sometimes we think that you know, whatever it might be, a gift at, at our birthday or at Christmas time or something, it's owed to us. It's not. It's a gift. Wages are owed. A gift is freely given, is extended to us. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know this is an illustration that's been overused, but it so explicitly and so clearly explains the practice or the, the principle of the gift. If somebody extends to you the gift at Christmas time, at your birthday, or whatever it is, if I would have a gift up here and I would say, I want to give you a gift. You have to receive it. You have to accept it. You have to reach out and take the gift. God has offered us the gift of salvation. God has offered us salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has offered us eternal life as a gift. It's not wages. It's not owed us. It is a gift that God has offered us through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is wonderful. Because if that part of the verse wouldn't be there, we would be doomed. There would be no hope for us. If there would not be salvation through Christ's work on the cross, which we're going to talk about next, there would be no hope for us because the wages of sin is death. If that verse stopped, there would be a very discouraging message for me to preach this evening. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Go with me to Romans chapter 5, to our next verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Another, just a wonderful verse. But God commendeth His love toward us in that... While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I, I enjoy what I call proactive thinking. I enjoy when somebody is thinking ahead, looking ahead and saying, you know, we're going to need this. We're going to need that. This is going to be happening. We're going we're to need to have this be prepared for that. Several years ago, I, I was riding bike and I had an accident. It's best to ride the bike upward. It's not best to ride the bike on the side. Anyway, so I, I wiped out and I had an accident riding my bicycle and I, I dislocated my pinky. I, it 
it was very nasty, very, anyway, painful. Anyway, I went to the, I went to the doctor, and uh, there, there was different processes there, getting x-rays and all this and that, but there was a young man that was the nurse there at the doctor that was assisting the doctor, and he was very proactive. It was fascinating to me to watch him. He would, you know, I went for x-rays, and when I came back, he had laid out several different things. One of them was those needles where they numb your finger. And I knew what that meant. And there was, a, there was some gauze, there was a splint, and there was this and that, and different things. And he had prepared that. He's like, this is, you know, he had already, doctor asked for this, it was right there. Doctor asked for that, it was right there. And several things he didn't need because the doctor didn't ask for them. After he was done numbing it and putting it back in place, he had several other things laid out there in preparation for cleaning it up and all different things. And I said something to the doctor. I said, wow, I was like, this, this young man's good. He's always just one step ahead of you. And he said, oh, he said, he's, he's the best. He's fun to work with. But that, that idea of proactive thinking, of looking ahead, anticipating what is going to happen. God looked at our situation and God said, we're going to need a savior. We're going to need someone to provide salvation for the human race. God desires a relationship with mankind. And he said, I need someone to provide salvation for the human race. So, while we were yet sinners, we didn't ask for it. We didn't request it. We didn't put in a petition for it. While we were yet sinners, before I was even born, before I was even on the face of the earth, before all of us were on the face of the earth, God provided salvation for us. God showed us his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God put the plan in place and said, mankind needs salvation. I'm putting the plan in place. Here is the gift of salvation available to you. Christ died for us. That's just a beautiful verse. Allow that to soak into your mind and to think about, just ponder on what Christ, what God has done for us and that He provided salvation for us even before we realize we need salvation. It's there. It's available to us. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Christ took that punishment. Jesus took that punishment. The wages that were owed, the sin of the world was put on Christ, on Jesus on the cross, and took that for you and for me so that we can have that free gift of salvation so that we can receive that free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's just a wonderful thought. Christ providing salvation. So Romans 3.23 tells us it sets the, the platform, levels the ground. We are all sinners. Romans 6.23 lets us know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5, verse 8 says that Christ died for us. Christ provided, Jesus died, provided that salvation for us. So is that it? It's all, it's all done? It's just a matter of these steps were all taken? What, what responsibility do I have? That's where we go next, of our responsibility, of what we have in the salvation experience. Romans chapter 10. Go with me to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. God has put all the components in place. Basically, God has set the table, has prepared it, has laid it all out, has put everything in place, and has invited us to sit down and partake. 
Now it's our choice of what are we going to do with it. What are we going to do with the gift of salvation that God has given to us, has offered to us? We have the choice on what to do. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We have a role. We have a part to play. We must choose to believe upon the work of salvation that God has provided for us. We must confess and we must believe. Salvation is through confessing, through believing, through confessing. Let me explain. Confessing your sins to God. Confessing your wrongs to God. Confessing that I am a sinner. Acknowledging that I am lost without salvation. One of the, if you want to give directions to somebody, if you want to help them get somewhere, they first have to realize that they're lost. Or they first have to realize that they don't know the way there. So we start by confessing that, God, I agree with you that I am a sinner and that I am lost. Confessing our sins. I agree with you, God, and here are the sins that I have done. Confession of sins. And then we need to accept, believe in the work of Jesus on the cross. Accept the work of Jesus. Believe in him. And then confession to others of what Christ has done, to, uh, done for us. Confession in talking about what Christ has done for us, what Jesus has done for us in the work of the cross. When you believe something in your heart, it's going to affect the way you live and the way you talk. If we were traveling here this evening, this, this didn't take place, but if you're traveling somewhere and you come to a four-way stop sign and you look both ways and it looks safe to go, and just as you start to enter the intersection, you glance over to your right and you see a vehicle coming, and it appears that that vehicle is not going to stop at the stop sign. You believe in your heart that that vehicle is not going to stop. You're going to do something. Either you're going to slam on the brakes, or you're going to yell and look out, and you're going to stomp on and try to get through quick. But if you believe that that vehicle is not stopping, you're going to do something about it. I'm not a hunter, but if I were heading out to a tree stand early in the morning, in the twilight morning, it's still dark, and I'm picking my way through the woods to my tree stand, and I see a dark form in front of me move, and my mind says, that's a bear. My body says, I agree, and I'm on the move, because I believe in my heart that that's what it is. When we believe in our heart that Jesus has saved me, has provided salvation for me, it's going to affect my actions. It's going to affect what I say. It's going to affect what I do. There will be a change. Just as if you believed that vehicle was coming through the stop sign and could possibly hit you, you are going to do something differently. If you believe that that was a bear in front of you, you're going to do something differently. It affects your body. It affects what you do we choose to follow God. We choose to obey the commands of Christ. We choose to talk about what Jesus has done for us because we believe in our hearts the work of salvation. That if thou shalt confess the, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Believe 
and confess our role in salvation. This doesn't mean that if we are saved, we're all set, nothing else happens. We fail, we make mistakes, we mess up, and we confess, and we correct, and we move on. One more verse yet in Romans chapter 10 here. Skipping over verse 12 down to verse 13. This is a verse that we need to claim, we need to memorize, commit to our memory maybe, and just really grip in our heart the idea of assurance that God has promised salvation. Verse 13 there, Romans chapter 10 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love the definitive nature of that verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe, not most likely, not there's a good chance or the majority, but it shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, anyone who sincerely confesses, acknowledges their wrong, believes and accepts the salvation of Jesus, shall be saved. That's a promise that God has given to us. Salvation is available and God promises it to those that accept it and believe to choose and choose to follow Him shall be saved. There are times that when we go throughout life, when, when we encounter the difficulties, the, the struggles of life, where we question, we wonder, is, is my salvation for real? Am I really saved? Did God really save my soul? And I am convinced that if we take this verse to heart, and if we were sincere in our confession, in our acknowledging, in our acceptance of Jesus as our Savior, believing, yes, there are times we struggle and we wrestle, but salvation is promised if we are sincerely following after God. If we have sincerely made confession, if we have sincerely acknowledged our need, our lostness, and our need of salvation, and we are choosing to follow God. We may not always feel saved, but by faith we can choose to claim the promise of God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the salvation plan that God has laid for us in Romans here. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned. The playing field is level. No one is left out. All have sinned. The wages, what is owed us as sinners, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. Romans 5.8 that we looked at, Christ died for us. God set the plan in motion. He put everything in place. Christ, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then our role, our part, is in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, to believe and to confess. Believe and confess. And God promises salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the verse that we just read, shall be saved. This is the plan of salvation. This is what God has put in place for us. And my desire here this evening is that, is that if you have chosen, if you have named the name of Christ, I'm not trying to unsettle you. I'm not trying to make you question your salvation at all. But if you haven't, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to name the name of Christ, to come and to believe in the work of salvation, to receive that free gift of salvation. We're going to, have to give an invitation this evening. Song number 303 in the Christian hymnal.
Just As I Am, number 303 in the Christian hymnal. Before we sing, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for the plan of salvation. I thank you, God, for what you have done for us on the cross. I thank you for Jesus and shedding his blood and dying on the cross for each one of us. Father, I, we are grateful for the plan that you have put in place, and I thank you for that. Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this evening that has not accepted you as their Savior, who has not acknowledged their need of a Savior, I pray, God, that this would be their night tonight to accept you as Savior and Lord of their life and to acknowledge their need of salvation. I pray, God, do give them the courage to respond to your call on their life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, let's sing the two ver first two verses of Just As I Am, number 303. I'd encourage you to be in prayer, that if somebody here is desiring to find salvation, they would have the courage to do that this evening. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to you to stand for closing prayer. <clears throat> I encourage you to continue praying as we move into the ending half of the week here. I pray that you would continue to, I ask you to continue praying, continue to come. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being here. Lester, would you lead us in a closing prayer here this evening? Thank you for 